Welcome to the Rocky Mountain Christian Church Podcast. Rocky is a community of believers who want to know Jesus and love like Him. Let's take a listen to this week's message. What a great reminder for us today that God is on the move. He's fighting for us and doing things on our behalf, even when we can't see it, even when we have trouble even believing that truth to be true. Here's what I want to encourage you right now. We all know 2020 has been a tough season. Wherever you're, you're watching, either on Rocky.Church Live or Facebook or YouTube, here's what I want you to do. Just take a minute, jump into the comment section, just drop something that you're thankful for this morning. With all the, the talk that's going on in our world today, sometimes we just need a breath of fresh air. That's why we take communion to remind ourselves that, that even in the midst of extreme difficulty, no matter how much you got right or how much you got wrong this past week, God is still on the throne. And this morning, he looks at you and he calls you his son or his daughter uh, because of what Jesus has done for us. So just drop a comment. Is this something you're thankful for uh, this, uh, today? I'm, I'm thankful for uh, my family. I'm thankful for the opportunity I have to, to be a dad. Thankful for my uh, four girls that are, are more than likely watching right now, Raya, Lorelai, Nora, and Cadence. I'm thankful for you. If I could pick any four uh, girls in the world to be a dad to, I would pick you four without a doubt. I love you. So thankful that God has allowed me to be your uh, dad. So just drop something in the comments, something you're thankful for. That's a great rhythm for you uh, every single day as well. I've been trying to do that, just reminding myself of things to uh, be thankful for. Uh, man, I'm thankful for this church, and above all else, I am thankful for Jesus. Now, one quick uh, reminder before we jump into uh, the message. Uh, Sean mentioned it a little bit earlier. We got a food drive that's going to be happening this Saturday uh, here at uh, both of our campuses, Niwot and Frederick. Some people have asked, why are we doing a food drive in the month of June? Usually we do this in the fall or the beginning of the year. And the reason is, is because we want to be a church that keeps asking the question, how can we help? And what we've heard from our food pantries, that in light of this COVID season, their demand has gone up and their shelves are looking a little bare. And so uh, we said, absolutely, let's jump in. And if you go to our website, rocky.church slash this week, you're going to see some more information about this food drive. It's going to be happening this Saturday from 9 to 4. Again, both of our campuses. And on our website, you'll also see a list, uh, the list of food that we are looking for. So they're looking for a specific item. So go on the website, check that out. Here's the cool part. If you put those uh, groceries, those food in your trunk, drive up to our campus. If you got one of them, pop the trunk button. Just pop it. We'll have a volunteer team ready to come and grab those groceries out of your trunk for you. And then you can just drive right on. Keep going with the rest of your day. If you'd like to volunteer on our website, there is a place to register uh, for that as well. I love it. I love it. I love it that, we're, that we are a church that keeps asking the question, how can we help? There are people in our community who need some food. And for most of us, we have more food than what we need. And so let's be a church that rises to the occasion. I hope you will participate uh, this Saturday. Jump in and let's serve our community well. Uh, so we are in week three of our series, Culture Shock. If you've been with us the last couple of weeks, we have taken a break here and there in light of some of the things that are going on in our world. But we're back in uh, to the book of 1 Corinthians. If your Bibles, you can turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 is where we will be. We've named uh, and titled this series Culture Shock because culture shock happens uh, when we are exposed to an environment that is not our norm. 
Anytime we're in a situation or environment we're not usually a part of, it's new for us, Uh, culture shock here applies. In the book of 1 Corinthians, uh, it's this letter that's written uh, by a guy named Paul. He's one of the, probably one of the most (laughs) famous New Testament uh, authors. He he wrote a bunch of of the New Testament, writing all these letters, essentially the churches uh, that he planted. And 1 Corinthians is a letter to the church in Corinth. Uh, and the church in Corinth is, is kind of working through some things. They've got some difficulties and some tensions. And one of the tensions that they are working through is what does it look like to be a follower of Jesus and, and filter your decision making through the lens of the gospel. And then on the other side of that, living in a world or a culture that oftentimes wants nothing to do with Jesus and how do you how do you live in that or how do you manage that how do you uh, balance that how do you win in that scenario and what the church in Corinth was finding was they were losing their way in a couple of different topics and issues they were beginning to lean more into the thought of the world than the thoughts of God and the reason why we're doing this series is because we want to be a church uh, that that hopefully and hopefully you want to be a follower of Jesus. Uh, who views their life through the lens of the gospel. You want to live a life worthy of the gospel. You want to live a life that is more like Jesus than anything else. And ultimately, we want to live lives that actually influence culture. Well, we want to be a church that actually has so much influence in the community in which we are, we begin to change the culture in which we live. But I'll be honest this morning, and I think you would agree with me, when we talk about, you know, viewing our life through the lens of the gospel and allowing the Holy Spirit inside of us to help us make decisions, that's a lot easier said than done. It can be really tough. You know this, to be a follower of Jesus and yet live in the culture in which we live. And the church in Corinth is wrestling with this same tension. Uh, And the question that they're asking, the question that we're going to work through uh, this morning is this. What should we do when when the Bible doesn't explicitly call something bad and at the same time doesn't affirm it either? Uh, What do we do with these topics and issues that the Bible doesn't actually speak directly to? The issues that the Bible doesn't say uh, this is wrong and yet at the same time it doesn't say that it is right. And we've got a ton of these topics. You may have a couple that come to your mind. Maybe some of you are going, well, what exactly do you mean? Well, let, let me give you a couple of examples. These are things I'm just pulling from my past. And the first one I'll bring up, some of you, you're going to get rowdy real quick. So, all right, so welcome to church. Uh, but the first one I'll just bring up in my past growing up, uh, uh, kind of this gray area was Harry Potter. Now, just be careful. All right? Don't come at me. All you readers, just 2,000 of you right now are just getting enraged. I just... Listen, I'm not saying that, but here's what I am saying. I grew up in a church. I remember it clear as can be. I grew up in a church where our student ministry put a, a, a DVD on that essentially said, you cannot be a Christian and read Harry Potter. Can't do it. And some of you are receiving that and you're going, what in the world? What church did you grow up in, right? Because you love Harry Potter and yet uh, there are people who believe that Harry Potter is wrong to read in light of what they believe about Jesus. Now, I, I didn't say that. Somebody else said that. And the reason why I say that is because this is one of those kind of gray areas. And for some of you, it's not gray at all. It's very clear. And yet for others, uh, you would be surprised in where they stand when it comes to Harry Potter in that 
series. Here's another example. We could do this all day, but here's just another example. About 10 years ago, when I was leading in student ministry, I put on a Super Bowl party at the church. We, we had so many TVs all over the church with the game on, and probably like 10 to 15 TVs with the game on. We had all these middle school and high school students in the, in the church building. We're all there to watch the game. I'll never forget it. We get to the first commercial break, and one of my leaders, one of my top invested leaders comes to me and says, we're, we're going to be turning the TVs off, right? I said, for what? And, and she said, well, for the commercials. We're not going to watch the commercials, right? And, and I said, I, a lot of people are here just for the commercials. Like, what are you talking about? But uh, for her, she said, no, 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 uh, we need to be turning off all the TVs. And this is a, one of those gray areas. I'm looking at it going, why would we turn the TVs off? And she's going, we have to turn the TVs off. I thought you were a Christian. Why wouldn't you want to turn the TVs off when it comes to the commercials? Because there are going to be some commercials on there we don't want our middle schoolers and high schoolers to see. And it was interesting, after the event, I polled our staff at the time, and I said, I'm not going to tell you what I did, but here was this scenario about, you know, the, the Super Bowl and the commercials and the halftime show. Uh, do you think I should have turned the TVs off, or do you think I should have kept them on? And guess what it was? 50-50. About half our staff said, you turned them off, right? And the other half said, well, no way, you leave them on. The commercials are the best part. Now, why do those things happen? Well, because those are some gray areas. And, and there's nothing in the Bible that specifically says you can or can't read Harry Potter or you should or shouldn't watch Super Bowl commercials. This is kind of one of those areas where we get to make a decision about how we interact with these things in our culture. And here's what I find. Oftentimes, uh, especially in the context of church, people will live in these two extremes. And, and the one extreme is this, is that everything that is involved in culture is bad and should be avoided. Everything in our culture is bad and it should be avoided. It's this idea that we should be building up walls. And the problem with this worldview is that it's difficult. It's really difficult to engage the gospel with the gospel because it creates a lot, and I think unnecessary, barriers between you and people who don't know Jesus. This is kind of a, a little bit of, of the DNA of the church that I grew up in. And again, I love that church. It, it helped me so much in my faith, but it brought a, a lot of no's. There's a lot of no's in the context of our culture. There was no drinking, no smoking, no cussing, no sex, no Santa, no divorce, no R-rated movies, no dancing, no Easter bunny, no, we're not talking about mental health issues. There's no Halloween, there's no rap, and there's a whole lot more of no's. The list goes on if it's outside of the church and the Bible doesn't speak to it, the answer is no. It's no. And some of you in your parenting, you can identify with that a little bit more because you're probably a lean closer to no. No, 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 no. Then there's the second extreme, which is that everything involved in culture is good and it should be enjoyed. And the problem with this worldview, again, is I believe it brings some difficulty to engage others with the gospel because it is also creating unnecessary barriers between you and people who are far from Jesus. And, and the reminder with the idea that we should be engaging in everything, and this is, again, the tension we're going to see in 1 Corinthians 8, is that the world isn't trying to save the world. 
The world isn't trying to save the world. Jesus is. Jesus came to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. And so if you say yes to everything in the world, if you say yes to everything that's happening in the context of our culture, your identity will be more formed to the world than it will be with Jesus because Jesus definitely speaks into some things that would go against our culture, that would go against how the world's going to go about doing their business. And so here in my heart this morning, I don't think either of those extremes really glorify God. And here's what we need to own this morning. That a lot of the, uh, a lot of the reasons why we come to a conclusion about a certain topic, about Harry Potter or commercials or, or any of those no's that I just lifted out, a lot of times the reason why we come to our conclusion on what we think about that or how our convictions uh, begin to be formed, a lot of those things are there because of the parents we had and the environment we grew up. We have to own that. A lot of times when we come to a conclusion about a certain topic or a certain issue, a lot of times we come to that conclusion because of the parents that we had and the environment in which we grew up. And so in light of all of that, what should we do when the Bible doesn't necessarily call something bad and at the same time doesn't affirm it either? Here's what Paul does. He gives an answer to the question of 1 Corinthians chapter 8 because the church in Corinth, this is cool, 2,000 years ago was dealing with one of those issues. Look what it says, 1 Corinthians chapter eight, starting in verse one. This is Paul writing, he goes, now about food, so we're talking about food this morning. Now about food sacrificed to idols, we know that we all possess knowledge. All of us have an idea about what we're talking about, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. I love that phrase. But knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to, but whoever loves God is known by God. So here's what Paul says. We, often, we oftentimes tend to think we know all we need to know to answer these kind of issues. However, here's what Paul says. Humble hearts are more helpful in these conversations than proud minds. Oftentimes we think we know what's right and wrong. Oftentimes we think that we have come to the right conclusion. And Paul goes, but it's not always helpful. Knowledge is not always helpful. Humble hearts are way more helpful than proud minds. Because, and this is what Paul says, not me, this is what Paul says, because you don't know it all. You don't know it all, but thankfully God does. And what God is asking for is a humble heart, not a proud mind. He keeps going, verse four, so then, because you don't know it all, because you don't know it all, and God does, and because you want to have a humble heart over a proud, or a humble heart over a proud mind, he says this, so then, verse four, so then, going back to the conversation about food, about eating food, sacrifice to idols. So here's the tension. We know that an idol is nothing at all in the world, and that there is no God but one, for even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many, these are little g gods, or, and many lords. Verse six, yet for us there is but one God, the Father from whom all things came and from whom we live, and there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. Now my guess is this morning uh, uh, that many of us aren't struggling with eating food that uh, has been used in idol sacrifice, in idol 
worship. Anybody struggling with that? I'm not struggling with it. My guess is this week you didn't like you didn't go down to you know Safeway or King Supers and you said, "Man, where's the idol worship meet here?" I, my guess is you didn't do that, and I didn't do it either. This is not a part of the context of our culture, and yet the, the what Paul is going to say about this topic we can we can take and, and use in, in the conversation uh, that are prevalent in the here and. Now, now, 2,000 years ago, this was a very real issue. So here's what's going on. Uh, people uh, would bring their animals into these pagan temples uh, to be sacrificed uh, to these, what Paul is kind of calling these little g gods, l- lowercase g gods, because we know there's only one God, but they were offering sacrifices to these little g gods. And usually a portion of the animal will be offered on the altar as a burnt uh, sacrifice, a burnt offering. Another portion of the animal would be given to the pagan priests and the workers in the temple as compensation, as payment. And then there would also be a portion of the animal that would be given back to the person who originally brought it. And oftentimes what would happen is this person would take what was given back to them and they would go down to the local meat market, butcher shop, or, or, or grocery store and they would sell it to them. They would say, here's the leftovers, I took what I needed and now I'm going to sell the rest and they would make some money. Uh, now, just, just pause for a sec. Since we're talking about some, some meat this morning or, or some steak this morning, if you're wondering where I'm at when it comes to meat, I am pro-meat. In fact, I got a picture here of, of, a, of a moment. This is a couple years ago when I was in Mexico, and I was at this restaurant that actually brought to the table, I've never had this done before, all these different cuts of meat. I mean, there was cuts of meat I'd never even seen before, and so I had my choice. I ended up taking this cowboy steak, which is a bone-in ribeye. And so if you're going, hey, what gift should we get Matt for Father's Day? We didn't get him anything. Cowboy steak will do just fine. Best steak I've ever had in my life. It came out on a heated salt block. Look how happy that guy is right there. Uh, I love steak. I mean, my favorite meal is steak. I'm the happiest when I'm eating Steak, Chick-fil-A, you're close second. And I know that's tension, but this is a great area. All right, so it's steak. All right? I just love, 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 love steak. And so for whatever reason, all right, and I don't know why, but when people were going down and they could see all the different cuts of meat at the local butcher shop or the grocery store or wherever, you know, the local market, uh, for whatever reason, either, either this steak was, was better tasting, it was a better cut, or, or maybe it was at a deeper uh, discount. I don't know what it was, but for some reason, When people were going down to the market, this steak was available for sale and it was enticing for people to buy. And so here's the tension that the church is asking. They're asking Paul, hey, are we sinning? Are we getting this wrong? If we eat the leftover meat that was sacrificed to these pagan little g-gods, are we getting this wrong? Is this sin? Now, here's what Paul just said back in uh, 1 Corinthians 8, 4 through 6. Paul just said, listen, uh, he agrees that there's a group of Christians in the church in Corinth that are saying, no, 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 it's not a sin, it's not wrong, you should eat away. And the reason why, and this is the reasoning, because there's only one God, there's one God and there's one Jesus and so this meat that's being offered up to these, you know, pagan uh, idols, they don't even exist. They're little G gods. It's just a waste of time and energy and money and meat. And so when that meat comes down to the, you know, the local marketplace, you, 
You should buy it because what they're doing, it's just nonsense. You don't have to worry about it. You should go ahead and eat it. And Paul leans in. He goes, you guys are right. There is one God. And there is one Jesus. And what they're doing really has no, like, it has no effect on the meat. But Paul continues, verse 7. But, I love this about Paul. He comes back around. But not everyone possesses that knowledge. Not everybody, guys, listen, not everybody's going to see it from your point of view. Here's why, because some people are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat sacrificial food, they think of it as having been sacrificed to a God. And since their conscience is weak, it is defiled, but food does not bring us near to God. We are no worse if we do not eat and no better if we do. So Paul offers up some compassion for people that are really struggling with the idea of eating this me. And here's what we know about the Corinth church. It was made up of all different kinds of people from all different kinds of backgrounds. And some of these people in the midst of this discussion literally just came from a background where they participated in this kind of animal sacrifice to worship pagan gods. Paul goes, it makes sense. We, we know that you should be allowed and you should be free to eat this meat. But there are some folks that literally last week are the ones who were bringing the animals to be sacrificed. And if they go and they eat this sacrificed meat to these pagan gods, it, it will bring up some tension with, in, inside of them. So Paul, does, he, kinda, he goes, listen, I, I get it from the other point of View. Now, Paul does say, yeah, that meat sold in the marketplace, it can be eaten, even though it was initially offered to idols. And, and some of the church is going, well, how can that be? How can that be? Should it, shouldn't we stay away from the meat since it started out as pagan sacrifice? I mean, how can Paul allow Christians to eat meat that was sacrificed to little g gods? And here's what Paul says. Essentially, if you could sum up kind of like chapters 8, 9, and 10 in the book of 1 Corinthians, here's what Paul says. Because, because good things belong to God. Because good things belong to God. And God can, and to God and can be redeemed for his glory. Good things belong to God and they can be redeemed for his glory. This is how Paul views it. He goes, there's no such thing as idle meat, just meat that can be eaten in celebration of Jesus. Jesus has, and he made the meat. I mean, the meat exists because God created it. So Jesus made the meat and it is a good gift. So this is what Paul says, don't get rid of the meat. You can eat the meat. But in the same conversation, Paul will say, you should work at getting rid of its demonic association and redeem it for the glory of God. Now, in light of that, again, he comes back around. Look what he says, verse 9. But be careful. Be careful. However, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone with a weak conscience sees you with all your knowledge eating in the idol's temple, won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols? Verse 11, so this weak brother or sister for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. When you sin against them in this way and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Jesus. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause them to fall. So Paul goes, listen, you know you have the freedom to go ahead and eat that meat because there is only one God. But if you do that, be wise and be careful. 
and how you exercise your freedom. For example, Paul says, maybe not a good idea to go to where that idol temple is and, and go ahead and have that meat for lunch right by that temple. Maybe not a good idea. Maybe think about this a little bit more because you know you have brothers and sisters in Christ who are really struggling with this issue and might see it in light of their past in a different view. This is why Paul eventually gets to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. He says this, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. The point is that we only do any of these things to bring glory to God. So here's what Paul would say. Eat your steak. Go ahead. Eat it. You know you are free to do it because there is only one God. And at the same time, the same time, don't be foolish in your freedom. Don't be thoughtlessly just participating and at the same time bulldozing over those who won't eat like you will eat. Do your best to be considerate of everyone. It's a reminder this morning that we are all on the same team. We're all on the same team. I, I say this a lot in my, in my parenting at home, and you can imagine with four little girls, there are times when they can, <laughs> they can get a little nasty with their words, and I say to them, I remind them, hey, we're on the same team. We all have the same name on the back of our jersey. We are all Cody's. And so if we're on the same team, then we should be acting like we're on the same team. And no matter how you view it or who should be picking up uh, these toys or who made that mess, at the end of the day, we are all on the same team. And here's what Paul is saying to the church in Corinth. Guys, we're on the same team. We're on the same team. And at the end of the day, let's talk way more about Jesus and we're going to talk about meat. But if we're going to talk about meat, here's the deal. Yes, you do have freedom in Christ. There is no sin to eat this meat. But you've got brothers and sisters on your team who might see it a little different in light of their past experiences. So Paul says to them, be considerate, be thoughtful, be thinking in light of this conversation about me. When it comes to my brothers and sisters, how can I encourage them in their faith? Even if I see it differently than, than them. And the reason why is because we're on the same team. What can I do? What can I do to help you? What can I do I don't see it like you see it, and so what can I do? Paul says, you know what you can do? Maybe if you just eat, were to eat that meat in private, in your home. Maybe you didn't eat that meat just out in the public. That would help your brothers and sisters, and Paul even levels it up, and he goes, listen, and at the end of the day, if you eating meat would cause any of your brothers and sisters to stumble, then it would be best than just to quit doing it. Just quit doing it. Because Jesus is more important than food. Jesus is more important than any topic that we could talk about this morning because without Jesus, there would be no need and no reason for you and I to be gathered today. We're on the same team. We're a church that's walking around going, what can I do? What can I do in the context of your faith? What can I do to help you take another step towards Jesus. Let me pray for us. Father, this morning, I'm thankful that we are a church that will wrestle, that will wrestle with 
the tension, that, that we'll wrestle with, uh, with what does it look like for us as followers of Jesus, being fully devoted to you, living in, the wor- living in a world that isn't. And I pray that we would trust you and the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, that when we come across some of these gray areas, some of these conversations that we can clearly see why some people will will be on the left and why some people will be on the right, why some people will say we should eat the meat and why others say I cannot believe you would eat that meat, that above all else we would fight for the sake of the gospel, for unity that we would serve each other in such a way that even if we have come to a conclusion that we have freedom to participate, that we would do so in a way that would be considerate and thoughtful of our brothers and sisters in Christ who are right beside us, that we would choose this morning humble hearts over proud minds. So we ask your spirit to search us, to search our hearts, of those topics, of those areas where in light of our freedom, we have actually caused more disunity than unity. That we'll be a church in this season that will rise to the top in the context of influence in the communities in which we live because above all else, we will choose to serve and to sacrifice for one another because that's what Jesus did for us. So thanks for the reminder about a story of meat that happened 2,000 years ago that is still relevant today. And while the topic has changed, the calling and the heart and the reasoning of how we make decisions in the here and now is still the same. So Father, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. It's why we've gathered here today and it's in his name we pray. And the church said, amen. Thanks again for being with us today. I hope you have a great week. Go enjoy some steak, dads. Be thankful for your fam. We love you. We'll see you next Sunday.